Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 5 and verses 13 through 16. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. And a thank you to our Jay Webb for his kind introductions. And thank you everyone for tuning in today to our broadcast of the International Gospel Hour. Let's continue these thoughts from Matthew 5. Salt of the earth. Light of the world, city on a hill. Yes, dear friends, Christians are to be distinctly different, unlike the world and the things therein. In 1 John 2, verse 15, Jesus said, or rather John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Dear friends, we think on these things. And with this said, we want to consider the subject, thinking of Christians as being strange. Now, dear friends, this is a very special broadcast, and we'll say more in just a moment. But first, a very special free online offer from the International Gospel Hour, and here's our Jay Webb. You hear us over the air and online. Check out the International Gospel Hour YouTube channel and view us as well. See episodes of Book, Chapter, and Verse available through our friends at the Gospel Broadcasting Network, hosted by our Jeff Archie. And stay tuned for the new weekly TV version of the International Gospel Hour coming soon. That's the International Gospel Hour channel on YouTube. Subscribe today. It's free. This special broadcast. Dear friends, let's turn back to the days when we were blessed to hear the sound teaching and the most gracious, powerful voice of Winford Claiborne. From 1995 to 2014, Brother Winford was the voice of the International Gospel Hour. We are blessed here at International Gospel Hour to have transcripts of lessons he prepared and delivered. Finding these are an absolute treasure to me. So today, remembering my brother and friend Winford Claiborne, I'm honored to deliver a lesson that he did some years ago titled, Thinking of Christians as Being Strange. Let's study together with Brother Claiborne. Are there places where Christians cannot go, such as casinos, saloons, beer joints, and houses of prostitution? Why can we not go to such places and engage in the activities at those places? 
Is it because we are simply old-fashioned and not keeping up with the modern world? You may have heard someone say, you mean you do not drink or gamble or commit adultery? What are you living for? Is it possible the Apostle Peter nailed the situation for Christians? In 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Our study today will focus on the theme, Thinking of Christians as Being Strange, from 1 Peter 4, 1-6. Peter's first epistle warns Christians they will suffer for the cause of Christ. He wrote concerning Christians' suffering, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters." Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 1 Peter 4.12-17 We know Christ's sufferings are examples for us. In 1 Peter 4.1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There is this difference between Christ's suffering and our suffering. The sufferings of Christ paid the debt for our sins. Paul explained that truth to the Corinthians. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15.3. Our suffering is because of our commitment to the cause of Christ. Peter urged his readers, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, that is, with the mind of Christ. We understand the significance of that admonition when we read Ephesians six ten through 18 Christians must put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles, or methods, of the devil. Peter explained the meaning of our suffering. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Not all suffering is honorable. Suffering for righteousness' sake is. When a man suffers in the flesh for the sake of God's kingdom, does that mean he has completely ceased sinning? It means that he no longer makes a habit of sinning. The Apostle John explains from 1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Charles Williams renders verse 9, No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning because the God-given life principle continues to live in him, and so he cannot practice sinning because he is born of God. When a Christian suffers for righteousness' sake, he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God, 1 Peter 4.2. Whatever time you and I have to live in this world, we are not to live to satisfy our fleshly lust. 
Instead, we are to live to fulfill the will of God. If we arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, we will not live in sin. Paul asked the Romans, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Romans 6, 1 and 2. The Apostle Peter explains why some people think Christians are strange. From 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Let us examine what Peter meant by working the will of the Gentiles. The Gentiles walked in lasciviousness. The Greek word translated lasciviousness appears infrequently in the New Testament. In fact, the word as used appears only nine times in the New Testament. It is always rendered either lasciviousness or wantonness from Romans 13.13 13, or filthy 2 Peter 2 verse 7. In his book, New Testament Words, Dr. William Barclay defines the word to mean wanton insolence that is lost to shame. Page 62. Dr. Barclay quotes J.B. Lightfoot, the distinguished English scholar, who says that such a man shocks public decency. Page 60. W.E. Vine defines the word. It denotes excess, licentiousness, absence of restraint, indecency, and wantonness. Vine's Dictionary, page 640. Peter uses the generic word for lust. The word literally means desires. When the translators thought the word referred to immoral or forbidden thoughts, they rendered the word lust. Otherwise, they translated it desire. For example, Philippians 1.23. The word revelings comes from a Greek word literally meaning to lie down. W.E. Vine says the word means a revel or a carousal the concomitant and consequence of drunkenness, page 965. Thayer, the great Harvard Greek scholar, says the word means feast and drinking parties that are protracted till late at night and indulge in revelry, page 367 of Thayer's Dictionary. Peter used the expression excess of wine to describe how the Gentiles lived. The word is translated drunkenness in some versions. Peter also uses the words, or the word rather, banquetings. The word means drinking, carousing. In his commentary on Peter, John, and Jude, from the Gospel Advocate Company, 1979, page 109, Guy N. Woods defines the word to mean drinking matches in which the parties sought to outdo each other. I hope you noticed that three of the expressions Peter used involve beverage alcohol. Let me review them briefly. Revelings means riotous drinking parties. Excess of wine refers to drunkenness. Banquetings mean drinking and carousing. If you thought that drinking excessively applied only to the current generation, you can see that you would be mistaken. Drinking has always made people act foolishly and endangered not only the drinkers, but others associated with them. Do you remember what Solomon said about drinkers? 
Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it gives his color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes shall behold strange women, and your heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, you shall be as he lies down in the midst of the sea, or as he who lies upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, you shall say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt that not. When when shall I awake? I was seeking it yet again. Proverbs twenty three thirty one through 35 Do you think Solomon has overdrawn the situation? Tragically, the answer is no. Peter lists another kind of behavior among the Gentiles, abominable idolatries. Is it possible that the other activities he mentioned are related to abominable idolatries? Many of the activities Peter mentioned were engaged in as acts of worship in idol temples. We know, for example, that the temple of Aphrodite at Corinth housed a large number of prostitutes who sold their bodies on the streets of Corinth at night to raise money for the temple. The Apostle Paul listed a number of sins of which the Corinthians were guilty before they obeyed the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, Paul said, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. After providing that long list of sins in 1 Peter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Peter concluded, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, 1 Peter 4, 4. The word wherein means literally in which thing, that is, their manner of life. In ancient times, many of the Gentiles lived just as Peter has described. I wish I could say that such is not the case in our country. But you would know that I was either ignorant or not being honest, Many American cities are just as immoral as the people of ancient Corinth. Peter said that people in his day thought it strange that Christians did not live like the people of the world. The expression, think it strange, comes from a Greek word meaning stranger. Please notice how Peter uses that expression. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. 1 Peter 4.12 the people of the world do not understand why we do not run together with a mob of evildoers. The Apostle Paul urged his readers at Ephesus, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of these things which are done of them in secret. Ephesians 5, 8 and 12. And in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, Paul says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Can you believe that people of the world speak evil of righteous people? Unfortunately, many of them think we are ignorant or missing out on the best things in life. Both the righteous and the unrighteous shall give an account to him who is ready to judge the quick and the dead, 1 Peter 4, 5. Those who oppose New Testament Christianity and speak evil of Christians for their devotion to the cause of Christ will have to give an account of their behavior to God. 
I doubt that many of our worldly neighbors are aware of the final judgment, or if they are aware, they do not really care. There is no truth more forcefully taught than our having to give an account of our behavior at the final judgment. More, dear friends, in a moment. Your friends at the International Gospel Hour are offering absolutely free a Bible study course by mail. You may study in the privacy of your own home at your own pace. Feel free to give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. I ask you to think seriously about the final judgment. The Apostle Paul assured the Corinthians of a final judgment. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Wherefore we labor, that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether they are good or evil. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1, and verses 9-11. through 11. Peter concluded this section of his epistle by writing, For this cause, that is, because we have to give an account of our behavior, was the gospel preached also to them who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. 1 Peter 4, 6. Because God will judge the living and the dead, the gospel was preached to them who are dead. The tense of the verb means that the people heard the gospel while they were alive, but they are now dead. The gospel was preached also to them, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. The author of Hebrews affirmed, and it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 There certainly is no point in my proving that all men die. We not only know what the Scriptures teach about death, we also observe what goes on in our world. Nobody gets out of this world alive. So what men must do in order to hear the Lord say at the final judgment, What a well done, rather, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. Let me return briefly to 1 Corinthians. Every serious Bible student knows how immoral the Corinthians were before they obeyed the gospel. In case you have forgotten or need reminding, please listen to what Paul wrote. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 
Some of the Corinthians had participated in all the sins Paul listed. Could such people ever turn from their sins and be made a part of God's kingdom? Please listen again. But you are washed. You are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6.11 We know what occurred in Corinth. Paul explained to the Corinthians what he had preached. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5 The gospel message could hardly have been plainer. Paul preached to the Jews, Jesus was Christ. Please notice how the Corinthians responded to the message, to God's message. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Acts 18.8 I must ask you a few questions as I bring our study to a close. When the Corinthians heard the gospel message, believed it, and were baptized into Christ, were their sins forgiven? Could they have been forgiven had the Corinthians not believed and been baptized? When they believed and were baptized, were they born again or from above? If they were not born again when they believed and were baptized, what else did they have to do to be born again? When they believed and were baptized, they were made members of the body of Christ, the church of the living God. The Apostle Paul explained to the Corinthians what their baptism meant. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. When the Corinthians obeyed the gospel, what other duties did they have to be pleasing to God? Tragically, there was inexcusable division among the Corinthians. Paul pled with them, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1.10 The Corinthians had the sacred obligation of maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Corinthians had come from a pagan background. There was always the danger they would return to their old ways. Paul pled with them, Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, says he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he who commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 and 20. I close with these powerful words. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. A most thorough and wonderful job by our brother Claiborne, and our honor to bring it to you today. Dear friends, let's pause. Our J. Webb is going to tell us about our website that we'd love for you to make a part of your study and to feel free to peruse it and look at the offers therein. Now our brother Jay. Our website is internationalgospelhour.com. That's internationalgospelhour.com. Please check it out and listen to our other broadcasts. Learn more of our history. Download our app. Request our free newsletter and free Bible study. Also, check out our free resources available from our fellow laborers in the gospel. Yes, friends, all for you through our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Let's continue today's study. It is always a joy to turn back the clock to listen to lessons from our brother Winford Claiborne, as well as the first speaker of the International Gospel Hour, Brother V.E. Howard. From time to time, we will turn back the clock for these lessons that we find just as pertinent and powerful today. As Brother Claiborne discussed concerning that they think it's strange or how Christians are looked upon as being strange, may our study from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-6 through 6, be a lesson that will remind us, refresh us, and to tell us of what God expects of us. Just as those Corinthians heard and believed and were baptized, dear friends, that is the same commandment today. To hear the gospel of Jesus Christ which brings forth our faith, Romans 10, verse 17. To repent of our sins as they did on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 38, and as Jesus commanded in Luke 13, 3 and 5. To confess Christ before men, as we see in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. To confess Him as the Son of God, Acts 8, verse 37. And then to be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Added to His church, and then we walk in a newness of life, Romans 6, 4 through 6. Let's think on these things and thank you for joining me today here on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope first that it glorified God, but second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Oh.